Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Welcome to the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, on this week's episode, it's a top tips episode all around running and running different distances from 5K to 10K to marathons. What do you need to know in each specific distance to conquer those distances as injury-free and as well and healthy as you possibly can? Running has never been more popular. We see it every single week on the Q&As that I do on Instagram. Uh, just questions come in about how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I train for a marathon or a half marathon? How do I not get injured? Am I overtraining, doing too little training? So we thought we would do an episode all about that and covering all the questions that you may have. We're going to start with the 5k, look at tips specifically for that distance, then take it up to 10k when you're making that leap, what do you need to be aware of, and then when you're going to tackle the big one, the 26.2 miles of the marathon, probably never been more popular, marathon training, marathon running has become so trendy over the course of the last couple of years and the lockdowns as well, what to look for there. And if I have time, I will have a look at some ultra marathon tips too. If you want to go longer than that, uh, up to 39.3 is generally the first ultra marathon distance to tackle. And then if you're brave enough or silly enough, depending, uh, to tackle the 100 miler, I've tried, I've done three 39.3 miles and finished all three. 6.02 is my best time for that. I've tried two 100s and broken myself both uh, times. So it's on my list to do uh, in the near future, hopefully at some stage. There's one in Connemara every August. It's the scariest but best race I've ever done, I think. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a little while. Let's start with 5K, most importantly. 5K is lovely. It's a distance that I got started running with uh, when I used to live in East Wall and had to run into towards college. Uh, it was just a lovely distance and it's where everyone starts and everyone should start when they want to start running. Running is brilliant if you enjoy it, and that is important to say that. Don't run because your friend runs, run because you want to run and you love to run. Because bar that, fast walking will deliver very, very similar benefits. But if you are starting, first of all, before you do anything, get set up properly, that's important. So have a look at your feet, start with your gait. Take your runners, flip them over. Are they evenly worn across the sole or are they more worn on one side or the other? If they're not evenly worn, you need to get your gait checked. Sounds kind of scary, it's another big word, but actually it's not. All it is is you go into a shop, they will watch you walk on a treadmill and put you in a runner to suit your foot type. That's it. It's, it uh, doesn't cost any more money. It's exactly the same price. And you don't buy runners now for the color or for the brand. You buy what suits your foot type. 
So that's really, really important for injury prevention, for comfort, and just generally, it's a really good thing to know. Do you pronate or supinate, or are you a neutral gait, and you buy runners? Once you've done it once, you generally have a really good idea of what you need to buy. So do get that done. All sports stores around the country are doing it now. It's free. It's non-invasive. They just watch you walk or run. Some will have a pressure pad that you put your foot on, but it is, it is important. So start there. Then the gear is important. We've covered that in previous episodes. So getting a really good luminous rain jacket, a beanie hat maybe, a set of gloves if your hands tend to get cold uh, and non-cotton based fabrics they're really really important if you haven't exercised for a long time or have a few niggly issues in terms of your hips or your back getting a once over from a physio is a really good idea too they'll have a look at your at your posture they'll have a look at they'll just do a kind of a, a checkup and make sure that everything is okay for you to run they might give you some homework or some exercises and do the homework or do the exercises that's important generally people don't uh, so do. But getting that checkup is really essential if you haven't trained for a long time. It's kind of like going to your GP for a once-over. Go to your physio for a once-over and just see what they think in terms of your posture, your footfall, uh, your glutes, your quads, and see if you need to strengthen anything up before you go, you start running or when trying to start running. Glutes can be an, an obvious one. And if your glutes are weak, your knees will do all kinds of things when you run. Having really strong glutes is very, very important. The time frame for a standard couch to 5K plan or desk to 5K plan is anything from six to 10 weeks. Normally, eight weeks is kind of the sweet spot uh, for most people. It might take you a little bit longer or a little bit less, but generally eight weeks. And when you're starting off, caution is always advised to so go for the longer plan if you have that time frame. Get a really good training plan. Uh, there's lots available online uh, or on like, the likes of Runner's World, something like that, or... Um, Athletics Ireland have some as well. Get a training plan to follow. And they all follow pretty much a very similar pattern, which is run, walk, run, walk. And as you get fitter, you walk less and you run more. And they build it up over the course of the six, eight or 10 weeks. But generally what won't happen, and it's a word of warning, you'll never really run that 5K onto the event you're training for at the end of the training plan. So similar to a marathon, you never run the full distance. 5K is very, very similar. So don't worry if you don't see it. Uh, don't get panicked about it. You have the fitness. And then finally, on your training plan, you, there will be some form of taper in there. So before the event itself, about a week or two weeks before, you'll begin to run less. And the reason for that is it takes a couple of weeks for kind of fitness to kick in or fitness to build up in your body. So close to an event, you're not gaining any fitness. From about two weeks out, you're not really improving. You're not seeing uh, aerobic gains or anything like that. So the rest and recovery becomes more important. So all the training plans you'll see, they ease off the gas closer to the event. You begin to recover more. Uh, and uh, and rests up so that on the day itself, you run a really good 5K. For your first one, if it is a 5K, the time is pretty irrelevant. Whether you run 30 minutes, 25 minutes, 32 minutes, it doesn't really matter. The key thing is running one, enjoying it, having fun, and then coming back to it uh, and to that distance and try and then improve your times. But to begin with, just get one out of the way. Enjoy it, relish it. Uh, you get that sense of achievement when you cross the line and then build it up to running faster and faster and faster uh, for the next couple of races. How do you do that? Well, your plan will have more running in it, obviously. Running with hills uh, are really beneficial. So hills will build strength quicker than anything else. Running on the flat is easier. But when you add in hills, it's better for the legs, better for the quads, the glutes, better for your core, better for your, your aerobic capacity. Hills are just brilliant when it comes to running. So run hills uh, in your training. Not every day. But every couple of days, make sure there's a hilly program there. A mistake a lot of people make with 5K is 
food. They start to fuel like they're elite marathon runner athletes and they're, they're carbo loading before long runs and all. You don't need to do that for 5K. The runs are generally 30 minutes to 40 minutes. How you eat normally is perfect. There's no major uh, adaptations or adjustments that you need to make unless you're not eating enough protein. So that's pretty common for a 5K runner. 1.2 to 1.4 grams per kilo is about right. Uh, and ensure that you're getting enough protein in because that's your growth and repair. That's where your muscles and your fuel cells repair themselves. It is important, but do not start carbo loading because you absolutely don't need to. That is really, really crucial. So for 5K, they're the basic tips. They're very straightforward. They're basic, but they work and they're very simple. Uh, get your gait check, get a physio check, get the right gear. And then, you know, training plan six, eight, 10 weeks. Uh, just for the first one, just complete it, get it done. And then uh, try to get faster over the course of time. Once you complete a couple of races, what tends to happen then is people look at 10Ks. They want to up the distance, challenge themselves even further. And then they say, okay, I'm going to do a 10K race. And then they'll get in touch with someone like myself. How do I do it? What do I do? So the, the jump from 5K to 10K can take anything between four to six to eight weeks, depending on the person, your time frame, and how you want to do it. Again, if you have the time, take the time in your training. It reduces the injury profile because as you run for longer, the injury risk factor or the injury profile increases. Chances are you might pick up an injury because you're on your feet more and more. So it is important to take time with your training plan, build it up over the course of time. Take that kind of six, eight weeks, ideally, something like that. And also pick your, your race suitably. So start with a flat race. And then as you get faster at your 10K, go for a tougher course than a tougher course. All the races you register for will have some form of profile of, of what the, the distance looks like and what, and what the course looks like from the gradient perspective. When you go to 10K, you generally go with technology a little bit more. So a, a smartwatch like the one I have myself becomes handier. And all that does is their GPS watches, they'll give you pace, they'll give you distance, some will give you map function, VO2 max functions. What I would say is normally the basic one is exactly what you need. Don't go and buy the most expensive one because you won't use all the functions. I, I don't myself. I, I, I buy kind of the, the mid to low end watch because they're, that's what I'll use. The higher end function, chances are you're just not going to use it. But a, a basic GPS watch is really handy. It'll update onto your phone, onto Strava. It's another handy app, which if you like social media, Strava is kind of like social media for athletes uh, or people who exercise. Uh, we high five each other and, and you can see your map and your distances and your PBs and all that. But as you get into 10Ks, people tend to use more of it. So GPS watch will work really, really well. Uh, it'll look at your, a lot of them will look at your recovery too. So it's a simple thing to have a look at. Also for, for 10Ks, you're normally looking at some strength and flexibility work because the injury risk profile is higher. So from a strength perspective, you need to do some gym work. It's very simple. It doesn't have to be in a gym, but you're using resistance work or body weight training. So press-ups, squats, lunges, uh, planks, side planks, side leg raises, bum kicks, wall squats, all of those really beneficial. If you are in the gym, lift some weights. Again, leg extensions, hamstring curls. You're looking at bench press, pec deck, pullovers, just strength work because you're going to be putting a lot more emphasis on the body in terms of the training profile. So get in the gym or uh, do some working out at home. And then the flexibility piece is important, especially for men, because we tend to hurt hamstrings and backs more than women, because we tend to be tighter, especially as we get older. So Pilates, yoga, yoga lattes, uh, anything with flexibility work in it, really, you need to be doing a little bit more. Now, if you haven't done 10K before, that might sound a bit scary, but it's not. Just add in a little bit of strength training and a little bit of flexibility training along with your running. Just all we're trying to do is keep you running longer and reduce the risk 
to to running longer distances. Um, the other key thing there will be in terms of runners, how do you know if you should change them? So if you're going from five to 10, again, you're putting more mileage in. Most people, you're looking at kind of four, four or five months-ish. How you know is very simple. Take off the runner, put your foot underneath the runner and try and press the, the shock system or the, the absorption system, whether it's air or gel or whatever it may be. If it moves and squishes really easily, well, then you're going to need a new pair. Um, fairly obvious, but most people don't even think about that. But if you press it and that absorption of the shock system begins to wear really quickly and you can, you, there's a lot of movement in it, just treat yourself to a new pair of runners and enjoy it. Um, the other tip then for races is with 10K, it's further, right? So there's a greater chance of burnout when you do a 10K event or a 10K race. Uh, you might start too fast and really suffer towards the end. So pacing becomes more and more important. The key goal there is that you split the event into two halves. So it's 10K in your head or in your pacing strategy. Just try to run the second 5K faster than the first 5K. So that slows you down which is a really good thing because what happens then is you begin to speed up as everyone else is slowing down towards the second half of the event. So as you pass people out, it becomes motivational. You tend to run faster. It's just a nicer feeling than struggling towards the end, which can happen so often for people that they go out too fast and hurt. And it's a long way home. If you're hurting from 5K or 6K, you have a long way to go. Start slow, build it up, finish strong. And it's a simple way to get yourself into pacing. You're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. This is our running training episode. We've looked at 5Ks. We've looked at 10Ks. And again, hopefully I've made it sound pretty simple because it is, you know, it just takes a little bit of time in terms of how many runs a week you should be doing. Normally for 5K, you'll be looking at three. For 10K, you'll be looking at three as well. And that can fit into your schedule and just build some strength work and flexibility work around it. Your rest and your recovery becomes important too. Uh, that you're getting quality sleep and quality recovery, uh, especially as you get that little bit older, it takes longer to recover. And I would see that myself with my own training. If I'm training for long distance races now, my recovery could be two days. Uh, it just takes longer as you get older. It's one of the many joys of aging. Uh, so rest is absolutely important. So you've done five, you've done 10K. Now you're thinking, okay, I want to go further. So you're going to jump to a half marathon or a marathon. Um, the reality is there isn't that much, in, from a training perspective, difference between the two. Time is the big one. So a half marathon you can train for, which is 21 kilometers. You can normally train for that within eight to 10 weeks. A marathon could be 16 weeks uh, for most marathon training programs, depending on what, what base you're starting from. Half marathon is a lovely distance, 21 kilometer uh, point one. It's just nicely long enough for people and for training. It, it's just nice. It doesn't take too, as much out of the body. Uh, again, the training principles are very similar, right? So again, look at your runners. Uh, rest and recovery are important. A structured training plan, three runs a week. The longer runs will be a little bit slower. And then those shorter runs, which will be two short runs a week and one longer run a week, uh, the longer run becomes slower and the shorter runs become a little bit faster. So speed or hill work can become more important there. Again, as you go further, you're going to need to do more kind of strength work. And that's important. Don't leave it out. People think you just have to run. You don't. You do need a little bit of strength work, not a huge amount, but just some to keep you strong and address any issues. And again, that physio health check is a really important thing because it'll forecast uh, any injuries that you may come down the line and you can help prevent them, which is lovely. So the key thing of jumping, well, I want to focus on marathons really because it, it's, it's the big step most people tend to take. So a marathon takes 16 weeks worth of training. Consistency is key. You're building up over the course of the 16 weeks. And in an ideal world, you're basing that off three to five runs a week. Most people I would train for them are three to four runs a week, depending on their schedule. And it's a gradual build. There will be a recovery week in there somewhere, maybe two. 
But a gradual build might start at 10K, then it might go 11, 13, 14. And then if there is a recovery, it'll come back down, depending on how your training plan is structured. With marathon training, obviously injuries are a higher risk. So you add in some uh, massage, a sports massage every now and again, really, really helpful. Your flexibility work becomes really, really important. If you are doing lots of exercise, I would say that you prioritize your running if you're marathon training. Don't prioritize the gym work because that's not what you're there to do. You want to run a marathon, so that has to be front and center of the exercise that you do and the training that you do, and then supplement it with one or two gym sessions. From a dietary perspective, yes, you will need more protein because you're running further. Therefore, the body's under increased duress or increased pressure. So you'll need more protein into your diet. Your protein intake will generally come up to about 1.5 to 2 grams per kilo body weight. So if you're if you're 60 kilos, you'd be looking at 90 to 120 grams of protein. A chicken breast has about 25 to 30 grams. So I just make things chicken breasts because it makes it easier. Uh, so you're looking at three to four chicken breasts a day. It doesn't have to be chicken. That's important. It can be fish. It can be meat. It can be eggs. But the key thing is those portions. So that kind of fistful portion, you're looking at three to four of those for marathon runner easy over the course of the day. And that's where like a protein shake can come in handy. If you can't eat enough of it, then drink some of it. Uh, and that's where protein shakes are very handy. You don't need lots of other supplementation or supplements for marathon running generally. You don't. Um, the key thing is that you're mining your body. You're getting enough rest and recovery in. A foam roller can be really, really handy. And then in terms of fuel on the long runs. So uh, for half marathons and marathons, the fuel on the long runs are important. For 5Ks and 10Ks, you don't even need to bring water with you, really. You have enough water in your body to fuel those runs. Once you're going to half marathon and beyond, you do. Um, a gel or a carbo gel works really well. Uh, you carry it in your shorts or in your pocket or whatever. They're very handy. You, you're talking uh, generally every 45 to 50 minutes, there or thereabouts. There are different types of different consistencies. So just try and find one that you like. Some are kind of gloopier, um, which is a strange word to use. But when you start tasting them, you'll know what I mean. Some are more liquid, some are thicker. Uh, it all depends on the brand. So find one that you like and find ones that agree with you because some of them absolutely won't. Jelly babies can work really well. Uh, wine, gums, fruit pastilles, just sugar. You're just looking for sugar to fuel a longer run. And then water will become important too. You can use a Camelback if you want to, or some of the belts can carry water bottles in them. Or with your really long distances, do what I do and I drive the route at some stage during the week before and I'll hide a water bottle somewhere in a bush or just somewhere where I know where, where it is. And I'll pick it up along the way as I'm running and then I'll put it in a bin when I'm finished. It makes it just easier to run without loads of water um, having to carry it. It makes a big difference. So in terms of marathon training, it is. It's it's that 16-week program. It's consistency. It's allowing for the fact that chances are you might get injured at some stage over the course of it. A lot of marathons will have a race series building up to it. Dublin certainly has, which it'll have a five-mile, 10-mile, half-marathon, and then marathon. And that gets you used to running with big crowds, which takes a bit of getting used to So. It's a nice thing to be able to do. For the marathon itself, uh, the first one is about finishing it and enjoying it. You will hear about the wall concept, and that's basically where you just run out of fuel, that you've been pushing too hard, you haven't eaten enough fuel on board, and all of a sudden you just can't go any further and you crash, and everything just goes out of control mentally. First and foremost, the key thing to do there is that you stop, you go to a walk, and the second thing is, it's like getting caught in the rip current in the seat. You don't panic. That you just walk it out, you take some fluid on board, and you take some sugar in. Give it five, ten minutes or so to kick in, and then all of a sudden you'll be back into your run stride. Most people panic, and that's where the biggest problem arises. So if you get that uh, during the race or during a long run, just stop, walk, water, sugar, in form of a bar or a carbo gel or some fruit, a banana or something like that, and then you'll begin to get back into your pace quite quickly. 
Bar that, it's about finishing, enjoying it. But time first time around doesn't really matter. Or what zones you're training in doesn't really matter because it's your first one. So therefore you should enjoy it and, em and embrace it. And if you get into it after that, then you can look at, you know, tempo runs and interval runs and the heart rate zones of the runs and in more detail. But I'm a firm believer for first time round of any of these events or any of these distances, just enjoy it, have the crack, get it done, get the training done. Uh, and then enjoy the event. The pacing in the marathon itself becomes really important because chances are you want to go out really fast. You will feel so fit because you have a three-week taper. Your body begins to recover. You're feeling incredibly fit and raring to go. It's hard not to go fast. I've learned that the hard way. Uh, I started doing marathons when I was 26, so um, and I'm not a runner at all. So you learn that when you go out too hard, feeling invincible, and you crash and burn at mile 18, and it's a long way home from there. So slowly into it. Uh, for marathons, I tend to get clients to build it up into four 10Ks. So it's 10K four times, that's it. And just work your pace off that. But try and get um, faster as the marathon goes on. And then you build momentum over the course of the last couple of miles. And it's an amazing distance. It really is. It's it's such a big challenge, but anyone, uh, anyone can do it. That is absolutely for sure. If you want to go further than that, again, you're getting into ultra marathon territory, which from a training perspective, just in case you are interested, is very similar to marathon training plan, except two long runs at the weekend, back to back, as opposed to one. So long run Saturday, long run Sunday. Uh, and they build up those distances to kind of four hours or five hour runs or just longer or even six hours, depending. Ultras are very specific. If you are going to attempt one, you can download a plan, but I would go to someone like John O'Regan, who I have no commercial affiliation with, but he that's kind of what he does. He's an ultra runner and trains people. It's worth getting a plan. I've done it planned and done it unplanned, and getting a plan is absolutely the way to go. Uh, the 39.3s, Connemara is where you start with those. There's a race series up there in April. And then the 100 miler, if you're feeling very brave, uh, is in August. Uh, and it's a different race. 100 miles, you generally walk, have a walk, jog, walk, run policy. Uh, where you might run for 30 minutes, walk for two, run for 30, walk for two, and repeat that for 24, 25 hours. But however, that's another podcast altogether. It is very important to say we have one person on the podcast team who hopefully will be running the Dublin City Marathon this year. And because we've said it on the podcast, it is now official. She will be running it uh, in October. So the very best of luck to her with all her training. As ever, you know where we are. If you have any more questions about running, it's realhealth at independent.ie at carlhenrypt on Instagram. That is it for another week of Real Health. We'll see you next week. Sláin Gafol. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.